It's been slow in coming, but it certainly is rewarding when you finally get to taste the first fruits of the things you planted. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. Welcome to our podcast of June the 3rd, 2010. We are enjoying the first fruits of the harvest from Veg Hill. And it is awfully nice to watch that happening. You've been actually enjoying it for several days. That's right. I, uh, the, I think the first thing might have been, uh, the, well, the first two things, peas and lettuce. The peas, uh, because they were the first things I planted and they were uh, fairly early. I guess I actually got those in on Good Friday weekend. Um, I've been able to harvest a few peas enough to cook a small meal for us one night or just a a side dish, a very small side dish, and they were good. And uh, then we have some sugar snaps that we've been just eating right off the vine. And, and those are the best. Those are so sweet. <laughs> They're wonderful. And then, um, I, of course, my, my typical lunch has been a lettuce leaf that we've grown, um, a combination of some romaine that I put in as a plant, and then some some that I started from seed, that uh, oak leaf lettuce and uh, arugula. It's really good. And so I've had some lettuces and then some fresh basil that we grew, picked that from the garden, um, supplemented with tomatoes that we bought because our tomatoes are still tiny little green things. So I wouldn't dare eat one of those. Um, and then, you know, I top it with some goat cheese and uh, a little bit of pepper, black pepper. And that's a wonderful lunch. Yeah. You've been having good lunches for several days yeah. from the garden. I'm, oh, and radishes, radishes. My, yeah, you love radishes too. Uh, that's not my cup of tea, so I have not been able to do that for lunch, but uh, I certainly have enjoyed the peas and look forward to all kinds of other things from the garden. I guess we need to confess, and we've made it clear all along here, that we've gotten a really slow start with planting this year, driven probably more than anything else by the deer fence. Right. We just had to get that done before we planted a single seed because and, we didn't want to have it eaten. And Okay, we got the deer fence done in April, and we could have simply started with a Good Friday planting, but I think you, had, you were bound and determined to get some early spring veg in the ground, right. almost none of which has produced. Well, the lettuce did. The lettuce, okay. the radishes, and the peas have done very well. And... Um, the lettuce exceeded my expectation because we have some out there now, like mustard greens. Still looking good. Still looking good. Um, radishes, I've continued to um, do some, you know, additional plantings. And uh, so that's doing really well. But, yeah, I wasted time planting carrots and parsnips and onions that just didn't do anything. Those and as a result, a we were slow getting the things like tomatoes and peppers yeah, and yeah. beans and okra and so forth. Uh, we we were waiting to do that until, until you had done your early spring stuff. And in retrospect, we probably would should have just put in the tomatoes and beans and okra and um, corn and the corn and not worried about it. But well, um, 
Yeah, one thing that happened on the corn, let me mention that. The first corn that I put in didn't do a thing. I may have one or two stalks coming up. So then I had to, I had, uh, luckily I ordered some additional corn a little later and put that in. It's, it's an open pollinated variety of, um, I've forgotten, I think it's called, oh yeah, platinum sweet white or white sweet or something like that. And it's, um, anyway, those, that's coming up. So my first effort, what I've decided this year, since I'm learning and trying things, is if I put something in and it doesn't come up, then I ha still have plenty of seed. I'm going to put something else in its place. Yeah. And I'm determined I'll have some corn this year of some variety. Um, and I probably will plant some more for a late harvest. So Sounds um, good to me. But, but what is coming along well that we haven't, uh, well, I've actually harvested a banana pepper, no, a couple of banana peppers, an eggplant, and a bell pepper that I gave to other people, and uh, because I see that we have others coming along that we can use, um, the cantaloupe is flowering beautifully. It's doing very well, and uh, the watermelon, and the squashes, and the cucumbers, and yeah, the, there's uh, the a great oak. deal of promise down yeah. there. Beans. We have October beans and rattlesnake beans, and and we were both looking at the beans this morning they they are quite literally putting out stalks just wandering around looking for something to climb on and yeah. we've got to come up with some kind of trellis for them and pronto yeah and, and the other thing that um, I remember delayed us a little bit getting started was we were still working with those muscadines we were still on good friday I remember what we were doing we were planting muscadines okay. on good friday all right which was no small task because they were in these huge five quart contain five gallon containers right. and you had to auger holes for them and all so uh, luckily they're doing very well right yeah the now. muscadines are doing fine they're not roaring out of the ground but they're certainly healthy yeah they're they're going to be fine um, but you know since you were talking about um, trellising things the uh, the latest trellis design is the one you came up for the sweet 100 tomatoes now, that is what I call a Yankee ingenuity at work. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether I've mentioned on the podcast, but when we put in our original order at Home Depot for all the materials for the pole barn, I got some impression that we needed a whole lot of three-quarter inch PVC piping. So we ordered 1,600 feet of three-quarter inch PVC. That's a lot. And we've used a lot of it up. What was interesting is in the drip irrigation project which we'll be talking about a little later on um we've used up more than half of it now but we still have a few choice links left <laughs> and so um, i came up with this idea that maybe we could use uh three-quarter inch pvc as tripods for trellising for tomatoes and other things and yeah. so we're going to give it a try we uh, put one together this morning and put it out and uh, lassoed some sweet 100s to it, so we'll see how they take yeah, to it yeah. and see if it works. Uh, you can't beat the price. Right, that's true. <laughs> we like that. And the other kind of trellis that you've done that we had high hopes for, but it's not working as well on the peas as we had hoped, is the standard, well, for us it's standard. Us it's standard. Um, those um, T-posts. Uh, and with a string between them, it makes it look kind of like a clothesline effect. And then but, and with an upper and a lower, like at the very bottom of the T-posts, there's a, 
uh, horizontal string and then there's one at the very top and so between the two you can tie a vertical string and I've tried everything to get those little peas to attach their tendrils to the... They just don't seem... They're not interested. They don't, they don't like that string they don't for like whatever that reason. String, yeah. I don't understand that. So we're going to go back to the drawing board and see what we can come up with. Our friend Deborah McCord uses fencing but yeah. between two T-posts. Actually, she doesn't use T-posts. She uses boards. But, yeah, um, that could work. We could just put some fencing between two T-posts and see if they take to that. Yeah. The problem with that is once you finish the season, you got to untangle all those uh, stalks from the fencing. But I guess we could do that okay. Sure. Wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Well, that's worth trying, I think. Um, and, oh, we, we still have some ryegrass hanging around back <laughs> down there. You Anybody know, want some cheap ryegrass? Well, it, they'll have to come dig it up or come pull it up with their hands. I've actually taken to pulling it out and making um, – mulch for small plants with it <laughs> because I have plenty of it so and we are hopeful that it will be dying very soon now because the temperatures continue to creep upward um the the high today I think is like mid 80s maybe high 80s mm -hmm. um, and we're told when the temperature is reliably in the 90s then um the ryegrass will succumb. We certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. You went on a shopping trip to Petals from the Past. Tell us what you yes. got there. Well, another thing I may have shared on the podcast before, I think, is my frustration with attempting to start herb plants from seed. Last year, we put some, uh, in fact, both seasons, spring and fall, we put herb seeds in the ground to no avail. I'm not a single plant came up. Nothing. Nothing. So um, this year I tried starting um, two different kinds of herbs from seed indoors. Thai basil, dismal fa failure. Uh, I, I think I have two little specks that I don't think are going to live from that. Some Italian, flat Italian parsley. Hmm, it's coming along. It may actually make it. Okay, good. It's over there if you haven't seen it. Oh, okay. It's I'm, in a very small stage. It's not, and okay. it's too soon to tell. But I'm looking at it. It doesn't look too bad. It, it's pretty healthy. Um, but petals from, and, and I should say, there are places like True Value, a hardware store where they sell some bonnie plants, and even our local nursery here, Cranes. I've been able to find some herbs in those places and plant them and be satisfied. But I tend to have. I won't even say exotic tastes in herbs. They're just certain basic ones that I feel that I need to have for the kind of cooking I like to do. Uh, for example, dillweed, um, chives, um, what was the other one? Uh, cilantro. And I've been able to find any of those in oh, kind of exotic types of basil. You can find sweet basil. That's about it around these places. But petals from the past in Jemison has, and I knew they would have it. I just haven't bothered to to stop. It's a ways to get up It's there. a ways, but I was on my way to Birmingham yesterday, and this just uh, had a wild hair and said, you have time to stop at Petals from the Past on the way to Birmingham. Don't have that much stuff in the car, so have at it. And sure enough, they had more than I could have possibly. I mean, I, and I also have been wanting some uh, specialized kinds of perennials that would attract butterflies and hummingbirds. And boy, did you get it. I got some. I bought some yarrow. I bought some perennial salvia. I bought some, um, and I can, you know, we'll put it on the database, I'm sure, on, that, that will be linked to the um, our site. I'll believe it when I exactly see it. Exactly <laughs> what I planted. Um, but, and some butterfly bush and butterfly, and some bee balm, some wonderful additions to the garden for attracting beneficials. But I'm so excited about the herbs because I was able to get the ones I mentioned earlier, plus 
other types of time like lime time and Provençal time and uh, what was the other kind of, um, I got cinnamon basil, lime basil, African blue basil, which we talked about last year because it really attracts pollinators like crazy. I mean, that thing will be covered with bees before you know it. So. And what we discovered about the African blue basil is it's not really that critical now. What happens is it survives longer than most of the other right. annuals and, you know, I've forgotten when it was that we remarked about that African blue basil, but it must have been well into the fall, like October or something like that. Mm -hmm. And at that point, most everything else was dying, but the African blue basil was still roaring, and it was just alive with bees. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, So I hope that, and and then that yarrow uh, was going to be a good one to attract beneficials. And then the... um, What's the one that said that the whole life cycle of the monarch butterfly? Butterfly bush or butterfly, butterfly weed? Butterfly weed, yes. Butterfly weed. And those of you who are gardeners probably are way ahead of me and know all about this, but I'd never had butterfly weed. I'd never had full sun where I could plant anything like that to survive. So we will have that out on Veg Hill to hopefully attract those monarch butterflies. Uh, but anyway, it's just real exciting, and I've been busy digging in the dirt and planting all those lovelies today. And actually, you've gotten most of them in the ground yeah, that you I bought a, yesterday, haven't you? I have you? a few. I have probably about seven more plants to plant uh, before the day is over. But I'm determined I'll get it done. And I bet you will, yeah. although we do need to leave early today because yeah. we're going to meet your friend Susan for supper. Right. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the irrigation system. That has been the 300-pound gorilla that has kept both of us busy, but me in particular, mm-hmm over the last few days. Uh, Basically, the faucets and the sink are more or less finished. They're still a little nipping and tucking to go. We were just talking before we recorded the podcast that we may want to do a little um, adjustment on the sink to make make the trap work better on it. Uh, But -hmm. basically, we're finished with the faucets and the sink. There are, I think we said, nine faucets out in the various Mm -hmm. places serving um, various points where you where we knew you would need to access water and now uh, we we have not yet gotten the drip irrigation system uh, installed or working and that's going to uh, take us some more time but we're well on our way and things are coming together and um, I think it's going to be a nice system when we finish up it's going to have three stations that we record uh, that we can control from inside the shop and so you can set them on a timer and say I want to do this for three hours and then this for three hours in addition to that or whatever so yeah it is it's going to be very nice and just not having to drag hoses all over creation here (laughs) well we've already seen an improvement there I guess because we're out of the business of having to run hose from the barn all the way down to Veg Hill that was really crushing or up to the orchard or over to the orchard or over we didn't even try running a hose over to the east orchard we were just toting water over to the east orchard Uh, but now we will be able to just hook a hose up in the east orchard or in the barn orchard and get to work so yeah, yeah. that that should be um a, a good flow there and and we're looking forward to enjoying that and we can do that now the only thing that's not yet in and working is the drip system right 
And we're still waiting for a couple of parts to arrive to complete that. We are. We're looking for one set of parts to arrive, uh, I think we said tomorrow, mm -hmm. and then uh, maybe another set on Monday. But the, the thing on Monday is that that's not slowing us down that much. Okay. So. Well, good, good. And it, it, will, it will be welcome because I don't know whether it, – maybe we are already seeing the effect of climate change or maybe not, but we, we have not had any time this year when we've said, now, good, this is the right amount and the right time for a rain. <laughs> yes. It's either a drought or it's a flood, and we don't have any, any middle ground. Right. And that certainly applies to this week. This was the diluvian week. <laughs> this was, uh, and when it rained, it would rain so hard. I should probably mention uh, my little transplants. I have yeah. some Cherokee tomatoes that I've raised from a pup, They're from little seeds. And um, I had 14 of those that I put in the ground. They were very at a very small stage, maybe a little too fragile. And a lot of gardeners would say, hey, you needed to have repotted those in a, an even larger pot and let them get stronger before you put them out. And that's probably true. But I also know there's a school of thought that says when they get to be a certain size, you know, just if, if you've got the right weather conditions, put them in. Well, it had been the right weather conditions. And all of a sudden, it started to, we started to have a pattern so that every day, without fail, it rained hard. And when we talk about hard, we're talking about a frog strangler. Yes. Where we would get um, an inch of rain in 20 minutes. Yeah. And so it was just too much for those poor little things. It beat down. I'd say I'm, I'll be doing well to get 11 out of the 14 that actually survived this. Oh, well, that's not a bad no. ratio. If you can rescue 11 of the 14, I'm hoping, that's not I'm too hopeful. bad. I'm um, and, hopeful. And I've devised a plan now to cover them if it, we get another hard rain. Yeah. In fact, if I had thought about that or known before the hard rain came, I would have done something earlier. But, you know, it's one of those... Live and learn. So I have two other sets of, uh, well, actually, counting the parsley, I have three other sets of little seedlings. I have some eggplant, some uh, bell pepper, and those parsley that I'm going to wait until they get nice and large before I put them out. If that means I don't get as many plants as soon, that'll just it'll just have to be that way. But I'm not going to take a chance on those those little chillins getting That hit. sounds like a good report. And as you are doing that, you continue, as do I, to swat at those horse flies. Horse flies have been the bane of our existence lately. Um, they, we do have that horse pal that we're trying. I think we talked about that some last week. That we, we did talk it, a little yeah. bit about it. And it seems to be helping. I mean, you said you emptied the bottle today, and there were lots of dead Lots horse of flies. dead horse flies, and we passed that and at any time during the day, other than in a driving rain. I think the driving rain drives the horse flies to their shelter. They don't seem to be too bad then. Mm -hmm. But at any other time of the day, there are always new horse flies getting trapped in there and on their way to dying. Mm -hmm. So it certainly is attracting and trapping and killing some horse flies. The question is, is it killing enough to make a difference in what we experience? Yeah. yeah. And we don't know the answer to that yet. But as long as it's killing them then we sort of feel like yeah. we need to be patient. Yeah, I'm willing to give it some more time. Uh, but they do. They're just, they follow you. They're, you know, when you go out to work in the vegetable garden or whether you just drive onto our property, it's almost as if they know where the boundary is. I drive into the driveway and you see horse flies flying around. So I can't explain it. They just like it here. 
and any time we open a car door at that gate, we're going to have at least one horse fly come yeah. in yeah. and hitch a ride. So it's really annoying, but uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll let you know yeah. how it works out. So maybe next week we'll be able to tell you, I don't know, will we be able to tell you that the drip system is in? That would be a push for us to have the drip system in and working by then. But we certainly hope to be able to tell you of progress we have right, made. Right. As well as progress enjoying even more of your veg from the garden. That's right. We'll let you know all about that too. So have a great week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.